Are you struggling to memorize pieces or practice scales? Do you find yourself scrolling instead of practicing? Do you struggle with performance anxiety? Well, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Angela. And we are the hosts of the Musician's Toolbox. On our podcast, we bring musicians from the music industry and we ask them questions about tools that they've used that have made them successful. And our own toolbox with our own set of skills. Yes, and on this free four-part, never before seen video series, we will be finding the answers to these questions. The guests that you'll be hearing will include Mick Wetzel, a musician in the Los Angeles Philharmonic, Lito Hernandez, a multi-instrumentalist who has collaborated with Kanye West and Surfaces, That Viola Kid, a Juilliard alum and social media genius, and many more. If someone sparks your interest in this video, please check out the full interview. Every Friday in December, we will be going through the steps to be a successful performer. In the first episode, we will be talking about scales. After that, efficient practice. Then, strategic memorization. And most importantly, performance preparation! Merry Christmas! Make sure you subscribe so you do not miss an episode of this four-part video series. And also, we post on different platforms like YouTube and podcasting platforms and Facebook and Instagram. So follow us there. Anyway, we hope you enjoy. Yes, and on to the episode. Okay, so how do I memorize? I, I that's, um, I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you can still be a musician. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always no. be this way. <laughs> I, I do. You know, I mean, I can say that, um, I could probably play all nine Beethoven symphonies from memory. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't mean that in a, in a bragging way. It's just, I played them so many times and I love them so much that I think I could. Um, I remember also just a memory anecdote. Um, my first job out of college was the San Francisco ballet orchestra. And it was, man, it was, I'm sure it still is, was a great orchestra. There are only four violas. And we were like a band of pirates. We were lean and mean and um, the ballet orchestra repertoire is cool. It's unique. And I remember, for example, we played um, the Nutcracker my first year 37 times and um, the whole thing, right? And I, I yeah. not the suite, I mean the whole ballet 37 so times. Much music. Yeah, and I, I think I could still sit down in a chair and play through the whole thing. I think I could do that. Um, but that was those things, playing all the Beethoven symphonies and the Nutcracker and whatever else you want to throw into the, into the mix that I could probably play from memory. It's just through sheer repetition. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm using the chain method. You know about the chain method, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you take whatever length the phrases and usually with with good music there's a systematic um mm -hmm. construction whether it's eight by eight by eight measures or four or two even or whatever 16 um but i'll take eight measures and i'll memorize that and i'll polish it and then i'll take the next eight measures and i'll polish that and then i'll link those two hence the name the chain method right chain. and then i'll take the third chain the third link i guess and uh, you know the the next after sixteen, you know I'll do the the next eight, and then I'll link those, and I'll just keep going. Sometimes I'll go from the end of the piece and link it backwards. Um, thing that's really important to me is um, to 
test it out. And I, I was telling one of my students recently that um, performing, but performing from memory is a lot like uh, when I used to um, take my kids to Davies Symphony Hall in San Francisco and we would fly paper airplanes. <laughs> uh, so we go up to the very top balcony. Uh, my son, Zach and I, Zach's uh, 31 years old now. So this was um, 20, 28 years ago. Um, we go up to the very top balcony and there'd be the stack of the program inserts, you know, the single page <laughs> by 11. And we make paper airplanes and fly them down to the stage. And I'm like, see, you have to like fly it first before you can see if it's gonna float straight, you know? So we'd make a little adjustments to the wings. And if it was going a little too far left, we'd make the next one we'd make is a little bit of a bump up on the left wing. So it'd straighten out, you know, we'd do that. I think performing is like that. Performing from memory is like that. There are little seams that are tricky that don't make sense maybe, and you have to understand them better. And then um, the other thing that that's really helpful when you play from memory for your cat as a as a trial um, mm -hmm. is uh, in Bach, for example, man, it's so easy to take a wrong turn, right? Mm -hmm. And to understand clearly what where those dangerous places are. And when you start practicing performing from memory, you find out where those those uh, weak links are, and you can you can solidify them. And um, that's that's kind of my my process. If it's not brute force, just <laughs> repetition. I'll use the chain method and that, that's worked really well for me. There are four types of memory that we use in music. Number one is aural, so that we're always listening to the chords we're playing and that cues the next chord. Another is visual, so one would be to visualize it on the page if a piece is when we're memorizing the piece. Number two is visualizing the finger work that we're doing. So there's the audio, there's the visual, and then there is the tactile. And the tactile means the fingers remember the sequence of fingerings, the sequence of notes, just like we remember how to type on a keyboard, for example. The final part of memory is the mental part for example, it's like coming to a Y intersection. Uh, you have to know which direction you're headed. And this often happens in music, that we'll have two spots that are identical, or three spots, or four. And to keep everyone straight, we need to think just before we get to that passage, this is the first time, this is the second time, and sort out those um, various wrong turns that one could make and instead always make the right turn. Uh, memorization is typically um, a culmination of a few things, but the first thing for me is that I have to be able to sing what I'm trying to play. And so if I don't have a, what I refer to as an aural image, so we talk about how like people have like, um, what do they call it? Uh, a picture like a what do they call it when you have a memory where you can remember like the page? photographic photographic memory Photo good grief yeah thank you <laughs> a photographic memory um my goal is to establish that with music and so what i what i want to do to establish that is i have to be able to sing what it is i'm trying to play so an aural graphic memory yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. so create yeah create the aural image and then focus on on the uh on the music when you're 
when you're both with it and away from it. So. Um, I guess like the overarching theme of all of this is discipline. Um, knowing how we learn. Some people can hear things once and just be like, okay, I've got it in my ear. I'm good. I'm definitely not that person. I, if there's like saturating something, I'm like drown me in the sound until like <laughs> I live it and breathe it. So basically I just, I built this studio around me so that I could just shut the door, come in here, play whatever music I have to learn and just saturate, 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 saturate. And usually I'll like throw it into my DAW. I use Logic and I'll loop the very first part that I have to learn and I'll learn it verbatim. So sometimes it's like, oh, these chords, you know, like they work. But it's like, that's not what's on the recording. So whatever's on the recording, I'll spend like the hour or whatever to get those parts exactly down. And I won't move on until I nail one part, till I can do it and move to the next and then come back to it. Do those two sections, go to the third one, go back to these. If I stutter or stumble at any point, I'll just focus on those points and then go back to that next one. And I'll do that until I have the whole song down is such an important part of learning I find and that's something that I cover at length with all of my clients all of my students and the participants in the group coaching programs I have I feel like it's essential and there are many ways the thing with memorization is the more you do it the more you do it the more you memorize mm -hmm. the more able you are to memorize quickly I find so I believe that it's well, it really depends on what type of learner you are and, um, you know, the way that you memorize quickly for some people, they're going to be very oral, um, visual, intellectual. So you want to try to target all areas, I feel. Um, so maybe take a small chunk and take the time to do what I call mapping, which is look at it, find all of the information that is relevant to you, things that jump off the page and really strike you. One thing I like to ask students to do is what I call the memory game. Maybe play it several times. You know, once you, as you're learning it, and once you can play it, play it a few times with the music and then test yourself. Can you play it by memory? And then you really start to see where the holes are, where the information is lacking. Mm -hmm. And then look at the music again, fill in the holes with more information and then uh, try again. But I feel like if we force ourselves if we challenge ourselves to start playing by memory earlier on in the process of learning it's easier we start to learn faster actually so uh, i would say target all areas look at the music with your eyes listen to it pay attention to what you're hearing pay attention to your movements so yes there is you know i know that technically it's not muscle memory but we'll call it that way because everyone knows what that you know refers to mm -hmm, sure. um so targeting all areas of learning uh, is really important and will help memorize faster. Um, memorization, as I've been taught, has three forms. You have muscle memory, which is necessary and important, and we all use it, but if that's the only form of memorization you have, it can leave you stranded when you most need it. But we all use it. And then the second form of memory is visual memory, which can either be 
like seeing the page in your mind or seeing how your hands move around the keyboard. And again, we all use it, it's necessary, but you don't want to rely solely on that. And the third form of memorization is the most helpful, which is analytical memorization. It's when you know your keys, your chords, your progressions. You have specific notes that you know if I have to leap up for a G sharp, I know I'm going to land on a G sharp. It's not just around there somewhere. So muscle memory sometimes gets you where you get the finger patterns, but you might not necessarily be thinking about specific notes. Whereas analytical memory, it might not be every single note in the piece, but you have key moments that you know I can land here and be safe. They're kind of fence posts along the way that you can check them off as you go. And you have definite arrival points, moments of security that you can hold on to. And that, to me, is the most reliable, because even when you're nervous, if you know I'm playing a D major chord, it's always going to be a D major <coughs> chord. But if you don't know, that leaves you in a precarious place, and you don't want to be guessing in front of an audience. So that, those are the different things that I utilize when I'm memorizing. And at different practice points, I might work specifically on one thing or the other, but I try to use all three so that I have a secure I was actually, I saw that and I was reading, I was rereading this book, Jim Quick, uh, Limitless, and there's a whole chapter on memory, and uh, it kind of reaffirms some of the things that I've done in my past, and just to keep it short, I combine visualization with storytelling, so I really kind of break down um, an entire section of music an exposition maybe it's just a theme and then i'll create a movie or some sort of story in my head and then sometimes i'll read the history of like the composer to like get a context of what their life was like and then i'll just make up a scene imagining what they were doing in their life during that time when they were writing that and then over time like you start associating these bigger these like smaller musical chunks like themes and then you start thinking of it in more of a macro storytelling uh, narrative. And when you're able to do that, you can actually memorize incredibly complex amounts of information. There are people who go to competitions to memorize pie. And what they do is they make songs and they make stories out of the sequence of numbers. And that helps them remember vast quantities of information. So that's a great way to memorize is, is to create stories and associate them with visualization as well. Wow. How do I memorize? Um, this is a, I, I like this question because I'm always trying new things, actually. Um, when I was young, I was a very irresponsible memorizer, and I just thought that if I could play through it without music, that that meant it was memorized. <laughs> I've since learned that that's not really true. <laughs> and so um, there's a couple techniques that I picked up, picked up along the way. Um, first one that I love to teach students is if you can't sing it, you don't know it. And that applies to more than just the melody you know as a pianist we're kind of we're kind of a whole orchestra and often we have you know sometimes we have eight to ten notes playing at the same time and if you can't actually hear those notes clear enough to sing them away from your music you don't really know them and you don't really have your music memorized so there's there's some aspects to that that i really like to um talk to my students about and the late leon fleischer that was something that he always taught in his lessons if you don't sing it you don't know it and if you don't know it you can't play it and so um, I love that. 
The other way that I've learned about memorizing that helps me and the way that my brain is organized, I'm a very, um, I don't know, probably type, type A personality, very organized. I like to mm. like things to be just so. I actually use a metronome to help me with memorization. And so what I'll do is when I have a section that I think is memorized, I will put it to the metronome incredibly slowly. Mm. And if I have any mistakes or any brain panics before a tick, I know that I'm not solid enough to be where I want to be yet. Mm. And so I don't use the metronome as like keeping the beat. I use it as making sure that my brain is focused on what's coming next and what's happening next. And if I'm either late or if uh, you, you guys know what I mean, like by the brain panic, you know, it's like yeah. the, that instant, like, oh, is that right? And then sometimes, sometimes it is, but if I have any of those, I know that I'm not memorized solid enough. And so that's what I do is I start at a super, super slow tempo and make myself play everything and make sure that I can get through it without a single mistake and a single hiccup. And then I start to increase the tempo from there. And that's how I make sure that I'm not memorizing just with muscle memory, but that my, um, my aural and my, um, basically my brain are able to keep up with my fingers. So those are a couple of things that I really like to emphasize with my students and I try to do in my own practice. Thank you so much for watching. Angela and I really appreciate it. And we're also super grateful for all these wonderful guests that we've had on the podcast and also on this video series. And once again, if someone said something that was particularly interesting to you, um, I'll leave the links to their full interviews in the comments or in the description down below, depending on where you're watching this from. So they should be pretty easy for you to find. And we are also looking for some new people to have on the podcast. So if you know someone or you think someone would be interesting to talk to, we would love to hear about them. You can contact us on our social media or on our website, or we have an email so you can contact us there. And once again, we are so grateful for you and we hope you have a wonderful holiday season. See you next time. Thank you.